Welcome into the Think Deeper podcast. I'm your host, Jack Wilkie. This week, I am not joined by Joe Wilkie and Will Harib. Uh, they are out on, on various ministry duties. Joe, speaking in the Seattle area, Will, ca- uh, counseling at a, a church camp. And as the one of the three of us who's kind of homebound this summer with uh, the newborn baby twins and, and just a lot going on, um, I, I told him, you guys go ahead and do your thing. We'll uh, schedule an interview for this week. So we'll have a, an interview episode, but Joe and Will will be back with me next week. And uh, with that, let's just go ahead and get into the interview we have for you uh, for this episode. This week, we're going to be talking about a requested topic. We've had a few people ask us to do an episode on this, and that is the matter of Christian singleness. Um, it's it's something that I think needs to be addressed, needs to be covered in the church. And as I was telling Joe and Will, Joe and got married right out of college. Will got married almost right out of high school. I, I was a little later. I got married around 27, and I was telling them, one of the most annoying things in the world during those times of looking and not being married was hearing married people talk about singleness. Uh, and it was kind of like a pat on the head. And I know they meant well, but like, you know, it's a, it's a different world. You know, you're kind of in a, a different scenario. And so uh, we wanted to get that perspective a little bit. And so we've, we've brought a guest on this week. Uh, our guest is Carrie Gillis. Carrie preaches in Texas. Now you're, you're way down in Texas. Yes, sir. Right. Um, yeah, I'm six miles from the border. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Well, I am <laughs> right up the obvious uh, right up front. I'm 43 and single. Mm. And so, uh, uh, I wouldn't say I'm an expert on singleness, but I don't really know any other existence. Sure. Um, I've been preaching here for 13 years and I went to just a little bit of a background. I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama. I went to uh, Faulkner University there, and then a grad school at Freed Hardeman. I uh, just worked on a, uh, finished a doctorate a couple years ago at, uh, through Ambridge, which was very convenient that they do all their stuff online. Um, and, and that's really helped me a lot. It hasn't helped me find a wife yet, but that's okay. I'm actually, <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'll tell you, this is kind of some new news for me. I just got back from uh, Georgia yesterday this may come into what we're talking about a little bit, but I just got back from Georgia where I met with the elders of the uh, Forest Park Church of Christ. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar it's with that. Uh, or Wesley, Valdosta, Wesley, right? Yes, Wesley okay. Hazel mm-hmm. is the preacher there. Yeah, and, he wrote a book uh, through us uh, years ago, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. So um, I actually am going to be moving there to be the director of Latin American Missions. Oh, and congratulations. About, about, well, thank you. It's, it's exciting to do that in about a month, and so... Uh, I haven't even officially publicly announced it here to the congregation, like to everybody, because it's it's brand new. But uh, that kind of it it's interesting how looking at what we're going to talk about, um, and what Paul talks about in First Corinthians seven, I, I know obviously that a lot of things that I'm going to be able to do um, are directly tied to me not having a family, not right. having a wife, right? And and not that I wouldn't be able to, but there are some obvious advantages. Mm-hmm. And so I, I find that is, um, this, uh, you know, this is an illustrative of some of the things that Paul talks about. So that's where I am in life right now. I'm about to, to jump off into the deep end of that, uh, some of somewhat unknown. There's a lot of learning that I have to do, but that's an exciting thing that I'm 
that I had the honor of being invited into. Yeah, that's cool. Congratulations. And, you know, it's funny when I reached out, it's like, this is a really awkward thing to ask. Hey, why don't you come <laughs> talk about being single? But it's something that's needed. It's something that, as I said, it's been requested. And, and I think scattered across the country, there are a lot of Christian singles, a lot of uh, people looking for the opportunity. In fact, let's start here um, with We've we've kind of uh, Joe and Will and I as we were talking about what we wanted to to ask you to put out there almost like three different categories of single um, the the kind of gift of celibacy gift of singleness thing as Paul talks about in First Corinthians seven of you know that that you can dedicate yourself to the work of the Lord more fully and all that and and kind of the lifelong singleness thing that some people choose and are okay with and I've known people like that senior citizens who never got married and and didn't ever really have that desire to. The people who are single but looking want to get married but but haven't found the right fit. It, it just hasn't come their way. God hasn't. Yeah, that's that's my category. Okay, and then and then kind of one that I think we just want to reject off off the top as as a very popular one in this day and age. You know, the, the statistics are about people waiting to get married longer and longer. The average age just goes up and up and up. Of kind of the twenties are for you kind of thing. Go out, live your Instagram mm-hmm. lifestyle, travel, do have you know all of those experiences and then settle down and then get married and then try to have kids and i think a lot of people find they look around at 30 years old and go there's nobody left and so i I, of the three categories that one of like chosen singleness i'm going to serve me for a while i don't think there's a biblical role for that but there is very much the the other two that i talked about of kind of lifelong single and okay with it and and just kind of like this is who i want to be Versus, I would like to be married, but God hasn't blessed me that way. And so, uh, do those categories make sense? Does that kind of fit with with your reading of First Corinthians? That's kind of our major text is First Corinthians seven. Yeah, you know, I, I know and have met a handful of people who they they say, "No, I never, I never really see myself getting married, and that's not really for me." And I kind of look at them like I don't understand <laughs> because that's you know I would like to get married, um, and of course the idea that I'm going to be single and just kind of focus on myself. That I believe is where you are single because you have, you, you don't have the priorities in the right place. Uh, then they're single and looking, which is, I think I, I would say that I'm in this category of sure. you of being still single because you have your priorities in place. And what I mean by that is, is, is a lot of things that I've, I've done some lessons on this and um, that were received well and encouraging to single people who struggle with, they want to be married, uh, but they want to be faithful to God. And as, as the the church and the culture are putting out less and less viable candidates, you might say, um, you find people who want to be, want to be married, but find difficulty finding someone if they really want to be faithful to God. And so the idea of settling for someone is, is not necessarily about, um, is not necessarily about, uh, they're not pretty enough or they're, you know, we're not really feeling it, that, that kind of a thing, even though I don't know any married couples who say that they didn't experience that. It's more about the idea that, that if you're really dedicated to God, that your, your window for, a scrutiny of who you're looking to be with. It's just so slim, really at any age. Um, I, I think that, of course, it's, it's sort of the joke that people, when people go to, to a Christian school, 
and you know looking for a spouse right um that's not a bad thing because that's where you'll have a, a pool a bigger pool of people um where whereas certainly there's going to you're going to have faithful and unfaithful christians who are at the school and it, and so it can be some sometimes deceptive in how many faithful christians it seems like there are to pick from there but that's not necessarily a bad thing to do your due diligence and really try to find someone there uh, i think one of the reasons and this i'm this is not i'm not saying this as a negative t- to anyone or or anything but one of the reasons why i think i'm still single is in reflection is that uh, when I was 30, I moved to a place where there were not very many churches. And there's, you know, there's probably a million and a half people in the Rio Grande Valley where I live and mm-hmm. maybe five or six churches. Oh, wow. Uh, and over about, you know, about a two hour drive from one into the other. And so I think I had, uh, I had a relationship with, I think one girl that was from here in the past 13 years. Mm. And other than that, it's it's people who are far away, and 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 so it's part of it is some opportunity. So it's good to seize opportunity, but part of it, and also part of the thing that I talk about in my in the, my lessons in studying it was trying to uh, trying to show married people and especially parents who are responsible for raising faithful Christians is their responsibility to introduce people and make mm-hmm. connections with people right. that that if someone is really wants to be a faithful Christian that they are they are not going to be upset and uh, you're all you know as if you're in my business sort of a thing they're not mm-hmm. going to be upset if someone who knows you're trying to be faithful is trying to make a connection for you with someone who is faithful right. so that if they know you want to be married but you want to be married to someone who is going to help you be faithful to Christ, then, then it's not just a, a matter of um, occasionally making a comment about, hey, I have a friend that's somewhere, or uh, many times where someone has said, you know, I wasn't sure if you wanted to know about this person who was single. And what married people, I think, don't realize is, is that if someone's really trying to be faithful, that we want all of the connect. We want to know about everybody right. who we don't know about. Right, cast that broad because, net, yeah. Because if you're not in a, at a Christian university, chances are you already know you already know who's around you, mm-hmm. and it probably hasn't worked out yet. And so, uh, as a single person, I'll say single people need help. And um, and and so married people don't they they don't need to feel like they're intruding. Um, it's uh, for. And in fact, I'll say this, I have had some Christians who would try to introduce me to people who were not Christians. Mm. And I found that to be a sign of, of spiritual immaturity, yeah. uh, even as, as someone who it maybe not is not respecting the idea that I want to be faithful to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so they were sometimes kind of shocked that I, I just totally wasn't interested in who they were, refer, you know, kind of referring me to because, oh, they're not faithful Christians. And so... It's not just a matter of, hey, you want to be married at all costs to whoever. Right. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of people are still single, and it may be increasing more and more within the church, because there's a standard. It isn't just a matter of, well, they don't know how to get along with people, or they're not good in relationships, or uh, or that kind of thing. A lot of it is is that if you have a high standard, 
and you want to be faithful, but you want to be married, then it, it may very well be that you may be single for a while. Mm-hmm. And so we need help. We do. Yeah. And that there, you hit on a few things there. I want to, I want to go into, um, one, as I mentioned, having a, a, somebody on who's, who's living it, there is such a difference between those that maybe were fortunate and blessed enough to marry their high school sweetheart, or as you said, meet somebody at college versus in your twenties, thirties and, and so on. The difficulty of putting yourself out there, the difficulty of making those connections, is something that is just foreign to people like that. And so, like you said, they're they're the network. They are the the help that we have here as a church family. And so, certainly, yeah, be be open to that. Be keeping an eye out for your brothers and sisters who are single. And then, you know, as single Christians, take that as a sign of love, as a sign of care. Uh, again recommend people that are, are good people, recommend people that, you know, are honorable people that are Christians that, that have their values in the right place for sure. That gets to, uh, one of the things I want to talk about is a lot of people talk about having a list, um, a list of desired attributes and, and kind of non-negotiables <laughs> and, and flexible things and things like that. And I, I think about, um, Abraham sending the servant to find a wife for Isaac. And it was, you'll not find somebody from among these people. You're not going to do this. Make sure she's this, you know, so that the values were intact, so that the family line was, was preserved in the way that it should be. Uh, you see with Jacob and Esau, go choose a, a wife from among the daughters here. Don't marry here. Esau doesn't listen and how that poorly, how poorly that turns out. And so even that concept is kind of a, a biblically encoded, you know, thing of know what you're looking for. And so, with that question of uh, you know the 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 non-negotiables, what should and shouldn't a Christian be flexible on? You know, my I, my mother showed me a list that my great uncle made. Uh, it was a checklist for his his wife died when they were old, much older, and he made a list of criteria for any woman that would marry him. And he was in his seventies, and this list was hilarious because he was <laughs> an elder in the church. But but it showed such a high level of maturity, you mm-hmm. know, and it just it had pointed questions like, um, not 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 must be, but it was questions of okay, uh, what are her evangelistic, uh, personal evangelistic ministries that she's doing? Wow, um, yeah. and it, you know, certain there are certain things that are a matter of this. It's it's and this is one of the things my mom tells me that I think we should tell everyone who's really trying to excel in their faithfulness is seek someone who is your equal. So, okay, what are your goals? And not necessarily someone who has maxed, we're all going to be growing, right? But if someone who say, if you're, if you're passionate about evangelism, as we all should be, and there's someone who they've never really thought about it, that's just not even what they do. Then to me, that would be a non-negotiable. And so it's a, you have to, you have the, the physical, the attraction, the, the chemistry things, those kind of take care of themselves. In fact, someone, the more spiritually aligned you find yourself with someone, the more that the other will kind of fade away. Um, and I would, so I would recommend you look at yourself for your spiritual goals and who you want to be. And you make some things non-negotiable as far as someone who is going to help you excel at that. That's why there's a lot of, th- a lot of one of the main sections of things that i that I taught about in my lessons on this was, was how it's a totally foreign idea that a Christian would ever marry a non-Christian. If you're trying to be faithful to Christ and you're going to be joined to someone closer than you're joined to anyone else, and you choose someone who doesn't hold the value that Jesus died for you and you're going to live for him, you're going to join yourself to that person. 
till death do you part is just a sort of a foreign concept to someone who is thinking I'm, I have these, these very specific goals in my, in my personal ministry to, to God. And I need someone who's going to just come right along beside me and they're, and we're going to help each other in those, in those ways, rather than just attaching myself to someone that I have some similarities with and that I'm attracted to, but is not really all about those things. That shows a great lack of spiritual maturity and underestimating the, the things that are the priorities and giving priority to things that ultimately don't even matter. And so I would just, it's not a matter of specific things on a list. Mm-hmm. It, it's a matter of what are your spiritual goals and, and what is the type of person who aligns with, aligns with those, can help you just, just uh, go all in on those things and you have a total singular mindset that you're one in the flesh, you're one in the spirit in those things that, right. that, that you and you know, not necessarily as a preacher, but could be that you are a, a ministry team, just one unit and whatever, whatever list that makes for you, then I would say that's what the priority would be. And don't be flexible in those things and right. understand that there's also growth. It's a matter of mm-hmm. what do you, what do you want and what are you working towards? So, well, we had a, a, a episode series on gender, male, female, and then marriage and, and those kinds of things. And one of the things we talked about is that trope of, you know, that guys are kind of expected to say, oh, I married up. She's my better half. I, I'm i not worthy of her. I don't know what she was thinking, marrying me. And it's kind of, well, okay, live up to it, you know, grow into that. And it's right. in the same sense of like your list of if you, know, if you want somebody who's a strong Christian, be that. And, and so don't don't be the person that's always looking at and I know it's trying to be flattering of the wife and all that but it's like man step up be that person uh and and meet the list that you're expecting of someone else as you said kind of on this running the same direction you're equal all that I think that's that's really uh important to keep in mind you know one thing I'll say about just personally you know um in in going in the vein of being that person when you when you when you're really growing into that person, that's naturally going to put you in, in, in the company of people who are like that. And one of the things that I've thought of is if, you know, diving into Latin America missions and, and all that that entails, that's going to put me in places and align me with groups and people uh, and perhaps with a, a potential spouse who who is all about those particular things that they, they have these particular goals too. And, and um, I'm kind of trusting God to align me with, with perhaps a wife who, uh, who prioritizes those same things, who, when they see what I'm doing, they're thinking, yeah, that's what I'm all about too. And so there's a way that you can put yourself in good company by really trying to grow in those ways. That makes sense. I I think I've heard it said, you know, run towards Christ with all your might. Look to your left Mm -hmm. and right, and and see who's running with you, running next to you. And you'll Um, you'll find you'll find some unlikely characters there. mm -hmm. You know, so you'll find people you don't have anything in common with, and they become they become your closest fellow soldiers. Right. And and perhaps one of those will will be a spouse. Right. Right. Yeah. 
So I want to get to what the church can do. Um, I, I want to talk first about the the singles individual battle. Um, strengths and weaknesses. There's there's you know we mentioned earlier that Paul talks about advantages that singles have serving in the kingdom. But first. Uh, the temptations that come their way. The first one is a sexual temptation, but uh, you know maybe something like envy or bitterness and things like that have, can set in as well. Um, and it, I mean, it, it was kind of the same thing. Uh, as I mentioned, I was uh, in my later twenties when I got married, and you just kind of look around, and everyone around you is getting married, and it's like, wow, you know, thanks, you know, God, you're you're, you're forgetting somebody here, and it, you you know you deal with that, and you know it's not a thing that you should be thinking, but. You know, I dealt with things like that, and so there's just different temptations that single Christians face that maybe others don't, or that take different forms. And so, um, speak to any and all of that, however, however you okay. want to address you that. Know, it, that. Actually, it's funny. It's funny that actually reminds me of a lesson I did just a couple of days ago. Um, I was I was in Valdosta, and they asked me to speak, and I wanted to I wanted to do a lesson on on one of my studies that's helped me and impacted me the most, and that's from First Peter two. 23 talking about jesus as the example but in particular uh peter gives us insight into the mind of christ that we don't find in matthew Mark, luke or john which is specifically that he continually entrusting himself to the father and that's how he was able to not give up and and so but that's a broad application you can broadly apply that to to any difficulty in your life so if you're you're single and you're thinking why have i been passed up and a lot of the reasons a lot of what i've seen from people who are older and single who want to be married is they do have some bitterness. They do have some difficulty. A lot of it has to do with some of the thing, other things that I wanted to discuss, which has to do with their value versus perceived value. They could be kind of bitter that you're not normal. Uh, and, and so that's, that's a sad thing, but okay. So you want to be married. You see other people that are not, you feel slighted. You feel like, why not me? Um, but if you're being faithful to God and you're continually giving that over to him, letting Lord, I just pray for your will to be done. Uh, you, I'm going to let you carry this load. I don't have to carry I, I'm, I can't carry this burden alone. You, you know, better than I do. You know, the future. I don't, you, you can do that and you can be single. I, I've told people, I said, you know what? I, I want to be married, but I'm really happy single. Not that I want to be single, but, but I'm happy because if I'm being faithful to God, he, he empowers me to be content and happy, which, which tells me this. If I never get married, I already know, just based on my life, that I can be happy and productive and, and not bitter, even if I don't have what I wanted. Because your physical status, and this is part of 1 Corinthians 7, is where he says, you know, if you're, he goes through a list of not just married and single, but a list of things uh, about uh, perceptions, uh, or different places in your life. You know, if you're, if you have a lot, act like you're poor. If you, if you don't have much, act like you're, you have a lot, you know, really what he's saying there is he's saying, um, your physical status is always temporary. Your, your spiritual status is what is eternal. Okay. So, so you, you're, you know, in, in, in first Corinthians seven, he's talking about your divided heart, your, that you're a divided focus away from Christ. If you're, he says, if you're, if you're married, act like you're single. If you're single, act like you're married. The idea that you don't need to be consumed by your physical status. You need to be consumed by Christ. That whatever physical status you, has, you have, you cannot let that become your identity. Your identity has to be Christ. And so, um, 
that helps you be content. That helps you do away with, with bitterness. You entrust that, you give that over to God and you let him take care of that. Understanding that, that even, you know, if a person who they, their status is all is of being married is that's, you know, their pride and joy and whatever, well, guess what? You're not going to be married forever. Uh, you know, statistically, if you look, it's interesting. You just kind of Google, you know, what percentage of people are single. It's 50%. Uh, now that includes kids. That includes unmarried people. Excuse me, non-Christians. Of course, Christians are going to are going to have a higher percentage. They have a higher percentage of marriage because they, you know, they believe that the sanctity of relationship and uh, sexual purity. Um, but um, everybody has been single who is married, and one of the two spouses, unless they're on the same plane crash, there one of them is going to be single when the other one dies. And if we don't focus on that and understand that being married is not what's is not the quote unquote norm, but that uh, being single is 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 just a momentary status, just like marriage is a momentary status. So we we ought not be consumed by that to the extent that we feel like our value is tied to it, uh, or be bitter and jealous of others because I know I'm I have a few dear friends I, I grew up with. They're on their second marriages or second divorces, and they've they've experienced a whole lot of misery that I haven't. And they probably look at me with some envy, you know. Mm. Um, and instead of us, instead of us defining our status by Jesus, or letting the status of being in Christ be the status that we define our lives by, rather than rather than these temporary things, um, and then. And I guess maybe we'll get into this some, the idea of your of your value and what you bring to the table in the way that Paul did. But before we get yeah. into that, you know, before we get into that, I guess, you know, the, the idea of, of sexual purity and things like that, that's where the church, the, the church needs to help single people. Single people need to help single people. If, you know, if you're, don't, uh, don't introduce your non-Christian friend who doesn't have those values to your Christian, to your single Christian friend. Because uh, there, there's a lot. Because if there's just one person who has that conviction to be pure, and the other one does not, that's that's t- it's hard enough when there are two who have that conviction. And so I would say when there when there are two, here's the reality of it is is that people who are not convicted about that, they're going to do whatever they want to do, even if they're Christians, and that and they'll be able to hide it if they want to, uh, and they'll have that facade up. But if there if there are those who are truly committed to it, and they're looking for someone who's truly committed to that, then that's one thing that in my relationships I've vocalized with someone. I've said, "Look, this temptation is real, um, but this is what I want. I want us to have a pure relationship, and and it has to be something we to both agree upon." Which means that when you do that, you enlist the church to help you do that, so that you they can help facilitate situations where those temptations uh, are are mitigated. You might say. And so um, the church can help a lot with that. It's the church is not getting into your business when you say, "Hey, you got a friend coming? Well, they can stay. They can stay at our house, if you know when they're visiting town or however that is. You know, um, giving giving uh, situations and environments um, ways that you can aid single people uh, so that they can go through a courtship process, so to speak, in in a successful way that mitigates uh, temptation. I, I, tr- I appreciate so much uh, those who are around me who are mindful of that and who encourage me with that. And 
and I'll tell you, being a single preacher, there's a lot of scrutiny and there's a, uh, um, a lot of, you know, joking or, you know, where kind of people kind of pick at you and, um, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not fun to be in the spotlight looking for a spouse. I'll yeah, tell you that. I've been um, there. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but at the same time, if those people can also, you don't, I mean, you can, you know, you, you, you're tough enough to, to get through that kind of stuff. Right. Unless you're just, just a, a wimp, but it's when you can enlist people around you to say, I need, I need y'all's help. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 this is what I want. And, uh, and so, like I said, if someone wants that, then they can, they can have that and they can align themselves with people around them who will help them have that. That makes uh, a lot of sense. If, I, I like that idea of bringing the church that's in what on they it. Want. Yeah. If that's what yeah. they want. And right. one of the things that I'll tell you, it's funny. I, in one of my lessons, I, I call, I called out parents and I said, parents, we need your help. Say, you know, we, yes, we, we kind of think of arranged marriages as kind of funny, but, but no, no, you know, parents go ahead, conspire together. You know, we may not hit it off, but we need your help. You may, you may hit the jackpot for us with somebody we didn't know about. And at the, after that lesson was over with, I had a message from a, from my mom where a lady had contacted her who saw my lesson trying to hook me up with her daughter. (laughs) And you know what? I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily interested in her daughter. You know, her daughter's a great Christian girl, but I really appreciated that. Yeah. I, I was, I was very thankful because that's, the we had there's a role that we have of helping each other be faithful and understand you know as a preacher here's the thing i'm able to do some things uh well we think about okay when we get into value perceived value versus true value of a a single person okay i I read somewhere yeah we've got a hierarchy in the church right it's married with kids right right, married Then single, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Uh, like among you know people in the twenty to fifty range, and right. and you know every church, you know a family walks in with two or three kids, it's like everyone flocks to them, you know. And there's a single, it's uh, we we got a group for you over there, right? And and so you're kind of ostracized, or you kind of feel like your value is diminished. So very quickly, and I know this seems kind of cliche, where people say, "Well, Jesus and Paul were single." Okay, well, there's some there's some there's some important things to notice about that. They. Jesus and Paul had specific goals. And I even read somewhere, it's, I don't necessarily believe this, but I read somewhere where, where one commentator thought that Paul abandoned his family, abandoned his wife in order to do what he was able to do. The only reason they said that was they said it would have been very unlikely for Paul as a Jewish leader to be unmarried. And so it's very likely that he was married and then, and then abandoned his, his wife and family. I, there's no evidence for that, right? There's no evidence. But the, perp, the reason that that's interesting for me is because of this. The reason they, they come to that conclusion is because it seems as if, I think if we're honest, we can kind of see this. Uh, if we look at the ministry of Paul, we think, I don't know if he could have done that with you know, a, a family in tow. And so when you look at Jesus and Paul, you look at their goals, you look at the, all the traveling campaigns of Paul, you know, Timothy, Silas, John, Mark, Barnabas. Do they have families? I don't know. Uh, you know, did John Mark, you know, did he leave the team because he had a girlfriend, you know, somewhere and he wanted, he wanted to have a family? I, I don't know, but, but it, it's possible 
that these guys were were doing things that they wouldn't be able to do if they had a family in tow. That's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm going to be able to do some things with Latin American missions right off the bat. That if I had a family, it would be a little tough. But because I don't, I'm going to take advantage of that. And Paul was able to take advantage of that. And so there are there are things that that hey look, I do a lot of door knocking, evangelism, mission trips, stuff like that. Primarily, the people that do that stuff are the single people. And and so when they understand their value in in uh, and that's you know Paul talks about in First Corinthians seven the value that you bring to the table when you don't have your focus divided materially, um, maximize that and understand and and let churches I, I kind of think of it this way let churches see the single people as their secret weapons instead of oh well they're they're kind of low on the hierarchy as you say you know. And understand that there are there are things that families and with kids there are things that they can do that single people cannot do, um, and let them maximize their their efforts for the church in the ways that they can. Understanding that every member of the of the body of Christ is of equal value, and that I, I talked about it this way, you know, uh, I, when I my first job I was I was the guy that would cook French fries at a fast food restaurant. I didn't make the burgers. I didn't do the cash register. But I don't do that anymore. But that was my function, and I was good at it. And when I left, someone entered into that function. And people within the body of Christ, they, they may be the guy that specializes in cooking the fries right now. But that's, that's supposed to be only temporary. You know, a kid does that. As they grow in their faith, they grow into another function within the church. Um, there isn't anyone that's not valuable. But as we grow, perhaps we can, we can move to more responsibilities as we go. Um, so let's look at married and single people as what can they what are what can they maximize at within the church as far as their respective ministries and understand and respect the fact that that each of them have the opportunities that the other ones don't have and 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 just utilize because when when a single person is being utilized over and over and over and over within the church what does that do to the bitterness that may they may have had or the discontentment or the lack of value and that's where you get into the difference between perceived value versus true value and there's a stigma attached to single people that is just it's just wrong um, because of the perceived norm of where you're supposed to be in life uh, rather than entrusting that to God and let him work that out for you it may be that you don't need to get married until you're 50 because there are certain things within the kingdom that he really needs from you that you wouldn't be able to do if you had a family. And you, and you, if you trust God with that, you can be content and be okay with that. That may be where I, where I find myself. And I'm, I have to be okay with that. Um, and I am okay with that because I trust God with that. He knows the future. He knows better than me what I need to be doing. He, he knows certain opportunities that perhaps if I were married, I would not be able to do for the church if I were, if I had a wife. And so perhaps he's waiting, he's waiting on that. And I'm totally okay with that. And so we had to encourage, we encourage single people and really everybody in the church to look at it through that lens so that, so that both the married and the single are equally empowered to just let God use them and entrust their future to God. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, just, I mean, Paul gets it like concerns and commitments to your wife, to your kids and all that. And, and so those are, are big factors, but all other things being equal, time alone is, mm-hmm. is yes. such an advantage yeah. of single people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
having to get kids to bed, having to get them dressed, having to get them fed, having to do all the things, you know, or, or with a wife, you know, you need to put that time in and all that. Um, as, as a single minister, there were things where just calls that I got, hey, you know, we got this going on. Can you come by? Sure. I, like, what else am I doing? And so, like you said, the, the uh, secret weapons of the church thing, I really like that because, because um, number one, they have that time, but number two, as as you kind of got at, it's giving them purpose. Purpose is uh, purpose goes a long way towards our strength, our mental health, our our feeling valued, feeling loved, feeling necessary, and and so um, putting putting the singles to work. Um, I got a few minutes left. I don't want to keep you here too long, so let's let's do these last couple a little rapid fire. Uh, and I, I know you've got some other points to bring in with them. Um, what do you wish other Christians knew? I, we've gotten at this a little bit about like helping singles and all that, but as singles kind of get relegated to second-class citizens in the church, what do you wish other Christians knew about how to connect with singles, how to show love to singles, how to, to support and and just bring singles in? What What is something you would tell somebody if they asked you that? How can we help you? How can we help singles? I just treat them normal. Just <laughs> they don't see themselves as abnormal. And it's funny when, when, when a couple gets married sometimes, then their single friends kind of treat them differently. I remember someone that got married one time. She, she said, she said, you know, we're still the same people. Right. You you can treat us the same. (laughs) Even though we're married, we would treat them differently. Um, And I would just say, just treat them as a part of the body of Christ and, uh, and appreciate them for their faithfulness and what they have to offer to the body. Um, But, but, a lot of what single people need that they don't get is just a sense of normalcy. I'm just, I'm just someone who's normal. In other words, um, not and this, this goes to what Paul says in first Corinthians seven about um, not letting your relationships in the church, the work within the church, the way that we even divide people up within the church that there doesn't need to be a preoccupation with your physical status. Um, you know, Paul says, okay, well, you're poor. You're not going to be poor forever. You're rich. You're not going to be rich forever. You're single. Not forever. You're married. Not forever because this life is temporary. Okay. So let's, let's, let's big picture this thing. Let's look at people the way God sees people, treat people the way God treats people instead of, um, instead of doing what I think is the lazy thing to do, which is, um, is treating people at face value. Single people, I think they're really, that, that stirs up bitter, bitterness, discontentment when they are treated at face value rather than seen as someone who is, and this is the, I think this is the key, is my marriage is to Christ. My faithfulness is to him. And when a married person doesn't share that same the ultimate us uh, defining characteristic, rather than well, I'm married and that kind of defines who I am. When you then that's that will that will connect people. That that will show people that that um, like like for instance that when I was with the elders this past week and. It, it never it never brought up as an issue uh, be, because um, because they they weren't defined by by their marital status they're defined by their dedication to Christ and they they treated me the same way we're we're equals in the body in that sense 
And so to be treated in that way, I think is, it can be rare. It takes some effort. Yeah, I think I, I get the impulse behind singles groups and things like that. And, and I think there mm-hmm. is a value in getting you know people together, maybe yeah, offering is. opportunity. But then on the whole is kind of the you go be over there. And, and we do that to everybody, right? Youth, mm-hmm. teenagers, you go over here. You've got your own church. Single people, you got your own church. Young marrieds and, and young families got your own church. And, and uh, the elderly, the senior citizens, they got their own church. And, uh, you know, that, that bringing everybody together is important. As you said, treating people not by their temporal you know, physical status of you're part of the family. If you're a teenager, you're part of the family. If you're single, you're part of the family. If you're 75 years old, you're part of the family. And and uh, in the same way, you come together with your family for a reunion, for Thanksgiving or whatever. Nobody goes, oh, um, you're a single, so that table is for you over there. You know, it's we all sit down and have turkey together, right? And and so as Christians, I think that's a, an important thing for us to do as well. I, the, I'm a big advocate of what in my in my studies I did some work on this in my dissertation about uh there's stratification within the church there's there's this group this group this group this group rather than uh intergenerational uh mindset uh intergroup mindset you might say uh a mission you know where a mission trip or evangelistic work or uh different ministries within the church or certain events if it can be all ages all statuses we could if we can make that a norm then then that that's good for mentoring uh that's that's good for helping helping single people feel normal um it's not to say there's not a good time to say the single people are going to go do this thing because they don't have kids they don't have a wife they, they're free to kind of do that stuff and it's good for them perhaps to try to find a spouse there's totally a place for that but but part of the norm sh- needs to be uh a eclectic if you will a total total mixture of what the body of christ looks like in the in the micro scale even um i think that's a that's a very healthy thing to do rather than just dividing people up all the time uh that 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 inadvertently becomes ostracizing and 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 um gives a perception of the hierarchy gives a perception of different values uh, or different, you know, what, what this group brings to the table versus what that group brings to the table. Okay, I think that kind of answers the last one I was going to ask. What can the church as a whole do better for singles? And so um, are there other points you want to make before we, we kind of wrap here? Other uh, um, things? I know I kind of threw an outline together and gave it to you. You had some points to get to, and so uh, I want to make sure we didn't miss anything you had to bring to the table well, today. ultimately the goal is faithfulness. Right. The goal is faithfulness for everyone. So if my goal is faithfulness, then that gives me clarity as to my purpose, as to my decisions, and uh, uh, and how I navigate this, the single world. Um, let's see here. I think there needs to be more empathy between marrieds and singles. Uh, it's easy for a single person to look at married people and think, "Oh, that's what I want. It's just it's the best." You know, when single people, when married people are looking at them like. I don't have any idea how hard this is. Okay, there needs to be some empathy there, and there, but also it needs to be where the married people can look at the single people and say, I, "Yeah, I know what you're going through." Even though, yeah, there, there's, there needs to be a, a, a healthy um, respect of what each person is going through, and to to talk talk about that, to vocalize that, to make that a normal thing that's that is mentioned to because. 
I, I, one thing I'll say is being single, whenever my mom, my dad's passed away. So whenever my mom would come and visit, I, I would say this, she va- would validate me as a real person worth, you know, some, with some value. Uh, someone who's single doesn't have a, a spouse who decided to attach themselves to their or life to them to validate them as a person who's worthy of being with, right? If I'm single, I don't have that as an immediate validation of who I am and the value that I have. And so when my mom would show up, she would kind of validate me as a real person, which is a weird thing to think. I don't know if married people realize that about single people, that we kind of feel like we're, we don't have someone to validate us. Okay, well, then as the church, we need to validate each other and our value and what we bring to the table. But one of the, the there are different statuses of single, you know, the widows uh, and even those who are divorced, uh, there are different categories of being single and they, and they need attention and they need, um, they need help or they need understanding for what each of them are going through respectively. And one of the things that Jesus addresses right after he, t- he gives really the, the, the foundation for marriage, divorce, and remarriage in Matthew 19, 9, is then he goes into right after that, they say, well, how can anybody be married, right? And then he says, well, there are some who were made eunuchs. There are, there, uh, there are some who were born that way. There are some who did it and it was not, a, not in their control. There's some who were born that way. And there's some who chose to do it for the sake of the kingdom. And so he says, you know, for those, and it, within the context, the best that I, can, that I can say is that he's saying, look, there are some people who are divorced. They don't have a right to remarry. They want to be faithful to God. And they're going to be, they're going to be dedicated to being single or be a eunuch for, you know, chosen for the sake of the kingdom. And those are a very special group of people that need, must be revered, who are, who are, it's not that it's easy for them. Like Paul was saying, I wish you were like, I wish, I think maybe it was a little easier for Paul to be single and he wished that it were for other people. Okay. Um, but it, it may be that someone, they're, they're, it, they really want to be married and maybe they can't. And they have dedicated themselves to being single because they want to be faithful to God. That is, a, that is a, in my mind, I elevate them in my mind as someone to be revered. But as far as we think of single people who are, who maybe want, you know, I want to be married, but right now I, for the sake of the kingdom and faithfulness to God, um, in, in my singleness, that's kind of the category I find myself in is, is I'm choosing to be pure because I'm going to be faithful to God uh, until until I can find someone who will who will even help me maximize my faithfulness to God. And so I think it's interesting that even even Jesus addresses that. And I would even say this: First Corinthians seven is a response to questions that were sent to Paul. He's saying, "I'm addressing. Let me address some questions you had." Well, they had questions about what do we do with married and single people, and so. So it's not just that it's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 7. It's that the, the early church, they had questions that they were trying to figure out. And by inspiration, Paul was able to address these things. And it's healthy for us to address these questions that are they're going to persist throughout the generations. And we find that addressed as a, res, as a response to the question of it in 1 Corinthians 7. There's a lot more we could say, but I think that kind of covers a lot of. We didn't get to Second Corinthians six about being unequally low, yoked, but, yeah. But we did, but we did really. Right, right. About yeah, people trying to set you up and all that. Uh, great stuff. I, I think this is a really uh, great episode. A uh, very useful. Uh, well, again, I'm it's to talk about it. Yeah, and I appreciate. It. Like I said, uh, it's like 
I don't want this to be insulting, you know, to, to reach it's out and, hey, you're the be. you're the guy to talk about this. But it doesn't. No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. Because yeah. well, I don't know. I just I knew you do a great my, job with it. And uh, I, I tried to grow in my spiritual, uh, my spiritual maturity to to not be defined by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so, no, I, I was honored that you asked. Because right. This is a helpful thing for people to discuss. Yeah, I think so. Um so I, I'm sure we've got people listening who aren't single, uh, but your kids, you know, if, if you're raising kids, I know we got people who listen with their kids, you know, prepare them for this because there's no guarantee that the high school sweetheart or the college sweetheart is going to come along. Um, and, and so, or even if you get married that way, you're going to be around people. You're going to have Christians, you know, and, and here's how you can help them. And so a little bit of something for everybody in here. I really want to thank Carrie for joining us Um uh, if you are not Facebook friends with Kerry or, or not following him, he's one of the consistent best Facebook posters. So so go find Kerry oh, Gillis on Facebook. That. I feel uh, the same way about you. Well, I appreciate <laughs> Very it. encouraging, good, challenging stuff. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah, and uh, best of luck and, and uh, God bless the work uh, with Latin American Missions. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. appreciate your prayers with that. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, and we will talk to you guys next week on Think Deeper. Think Deeper.